0: The
2: Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Here's Alexis Sanchez! What a finish! Walcott's going to go through and score! Into the middle. Giroud! It's two!
3: Hi, I'm Russell Hargreaves and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of the 28th of September 2015. It's an Arsene Wenger special on today's show. We'll be talking to John Cross about his new book, The Inside Story of Arsenal Under Wenger. Callum Chambers tells us about the best advice he's received from the boss and Adrian Clark is here to preview the visit of Manchester United. But let's kick off with the weekend review. Arsenal travelled to the King Power Stadium on Saturday afternoon to face previously unbeaten Leicester City, and they got off to the worst possible start when Jamie Vardy put the Foxes one up inside the opening 15 minutes. It was the catalyst Arsenal needed, though, with Theo Walcott equalising just five minutes later.
2: This is Urso gets away from Drinkwater. Now it's with Alexis. Arsenal have got plenty of players forward here. One of them is Kozola, Kozola sees Walcott through the middle. Theo Walcott to level things up. Here. To take an age to roll into the corner, but Arsenal back level. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And Leicester had too many players in advanced positions, and they've been punished by the gunners here. And Theo Walcott threw on goal, makes no mistake. It is Leicester one. Arsenal one. Fantastic response from Arsenal, but really seconds earlier they could have been could have been two goals down, but that is
4: a really calm, composed finish from Theo Walcott on his left on his left foot. Aaron Ramsey was screaming to the ball to his right but and Theo Walcott threw on goal, he does not want to pass he wants, and it's a really, really cool calm finish. That's excellent
3: play from Theo Walcott. That was Theo's third goal of the season. He's really cemented himself as the team's number one forward at the moment. The Gunners didn't have to wait long until they took the lead. Alexis opening his account for the season just after the half-hour mark
2: and Arsenal have it again here is Ramsey breaking forward short now for Ozil looking for Bayern gets to the bottom low balling chance here and it's surely going to be put it by
5: Alexis isn't it
2: Arsenal are in front here in this incredible game and the King Power great break down the right hand side as it came across the face of the goal what didn't get enough on it, but Alexis following up did and fired into an unguarded net. It is Leicester City 1, Arsenal 2.
3: And the Chilean wasn't finished there. He doubled his tally for the day 12 minutes into the second half.
2: Bearing comes forward, infield for Alexis. Alexis looks to turn it over to Ozil. Ozil on his right side, doesn't take the shot away, then chips it forward. Alexis again with a hair! Flag stays down. Arsenal have got a third. And it's Alexis Sanchez at the double. Terrific football once again from the Gunners. And the game got stretched in this second half and the Chilean has punished the home side once more.
3: Alexis saved his best until last, completing his first hat-trick for the club ten minutes from time.
2: Giroud, a different proposition for the Leicester defenders. This is Alexis from distance. Oh, I say! How about that? To complete your hat-trick took it nice and early from the throw-in, let it come across his body. And from 25 yards plus has found the corner. Schmeichel beaten yet again. Arsenal do have a fourth and Alexis has got a hat-trick and then he's just brilliant football from the Chilean.
3: Vardy scored a late consolation for the Foxes, but there was still time for substitute Olivier Giroud to wrap things up in added time.
2: Here is Ursa. It's Monreal coming forward, 2 to M inside the penalty area. Well, there's Giroud, he finds the corner! Arsenal do have a fifth. The goals just keep on flowing here. Leicester 2, Arsenal 5. Olivier Giroud swung that trusty left peg of his to find the corner. Schmeichel's beaten again. Both sets of players are out on their feet here. It's been that type of game. It's been a real throwback from start to finish.
3: It reads Leicester 2, Arsenal 5. After the game, Arsene Wenger was full of praise for his match-winner,
5: Alexis. Yes, yes, he is back to his level. Uh, uh, He won a big competition with Chile, uh, the Copa America, and uh, I think as well mentally to adjust again to a competitive level when you come back, uh, takes some time. Could see in training already a different player in the last uh, week or two. And uh, he's shown that today. But overall, I believe that uh, going forward, he looked always dangerous. The win was, of course,
3: the perfect response to the disappointment at Stamford Bridge last weekend and puts Arsenal up to fourth in the Premier League, just three points behind
5: Manchester United. The boss reflected
3: on just how tight the top of the Premier League is.
5: Knowing that Tottenham has beaten uh, Man City today, it uh, makes the whole league very tight. Because uh, two weeks ago, You had uh, Man City playing West Ham at home, and uh, so you would expect that uh, they make the difference, you know.
3: That's the final word on the weekend's action. Now it's time to speak to a man who featured in the 2-1 Capital One Cup victory over Tottenham last midweek. That's Callum Chambers. Callum Chambers had a successful debut season for the Gunners last term. He's the latest in a long line of young players to come to the club to work with Arsene Wenger. He sat down with Arsenal media's Harry Hawke to talk about working with the boss. Callum, what's the the best bit of advice the boss has given you?
6: Um, I'd probably say the best bit of advice the boss has given me is uh, just to relax and enjoy myself in games. Uh, You know, before the game or half-time, he'd say, you know, relax. Uh, and just play, play how, you know, play with confidence and, and enjoy it. And honestly, I probably think that's the best advice that he's given me because it helps me in my game. Uh, you know, I can then relax and, and go onto the pitch and, and express myself, which is uh, useful.
3: And do you remember the first time you met him?
6: Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I remember the first time I met everyone here. You know, it's, um, he's a legend. So, uh, uh, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a pretty cool moment.
3: There's so many young players who've come to this club just to work with him. Um, how big of a factor was he when you signed?
6: Um, a massive factor. You know, Obviously Theo and, and Alex have come from, they always came from Southampton as well, and they've both come through, and, and he's renowned for bringing young players through and developing them. So that was a big factor as to why I chose to come here um, mm. to work with him. Um, so yeah, I haven't regretted it one bit.
3: And how has working with him improved you as a player so far?
6: Uh, I think it's improved me massively. I mean, over the past year, um, I think I've improved in my game a lot. Um, And, you know, he he goes through little bits with me, Um, you know, on the pitch, individual stuff, um, gives me advice. So, yeah. You know, over the past year, my games, and games improved massively. After playing
3: more than he probably expected last term, Callum's had his first-team opportunities limited this season. That due to the emergence of Hector Bellerin and the arrival of Gabriel. But if he continues to show the raw talent he demonstrated at times last year, there's no question that he's going to play a big part in the first team for many years to come. So, as today is the anniversary of Arsene Wenger's appointment as Arsenal manager, it's time for a very special history lesson. And it's Adams, took through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or Charlie George, who can hit him! Oh, the it's up for grabs now! So, as we've mentioned, this week marks 19 years since Arsene Wenger was appointed Arsenal's manager, succeeding Stuart Houston, who'd been made caretaker boss after Bruce Rioch's dismissal before the start of the 1996-97 season. Here's the boss remembering the pressure he faced when he arrived at the club.
5: I came here and it was new to have a foreign manager, so I could understand the scepticism of the people. And uh, funny-wise, my... my the pre- how long I would last was one of the biggest bets in the country. So it was a good challenge for me to show that I can uh, do well. Arsene Wenger will go down in history
3: as the man who revolutionised this football club from his ability in spotting young talent to implementing advanced coaching methods in training. Here's Lee Dixon, Martin Keown and Dennis Bergkamp talking about those early days of Wenger's reign. It was a shock, you know, it was Arsene who I'd never heard of, literally never heard of him. You know, it was like, where's he, where's he manage?
4: How's this guy gonna inspire us into, you know, we little did we know what was behind those glasses and those elbow pads and, um, you know, he, he, from day one he changed a lot of things and and they all seemed like they were for the better. And um, And the results he got from in such a short space of time is reflecting on how how well he was accepted into the club by the players. We took it all on board, we listened to his advice, we did his stretching, we ate his food, uh, we played in a way that was, we, we were released from the shackles a bit. You know, he didn't, didn't suddenly turn me into a a more composed sort of um, more skillful player than I was before, he just Released me in a way that you'd say, Right, that's like you played with a lot more freedom, and that I was allowed to express myself a little bit more. But that, you know, and that's what he did to everybody. And all of a sudden, the team started to blossom. Well, we didn't know anything about the manager,
7: and it was and to be honest, it says everything about the sort of English mentality that we, we knew so little at that point. We thought we knew everything, but we knew nothing really. And I think what the boys were able to do was to embrace that change that the manager brought. It was, it was a completely different football club six months after he got there than it was before. Um, he was so professional in the way that, you know, the diet, we would we would chew to win. We would, we would sip. We, if we didn't have a bottle of water in our hand, you know, we were in trouble for that. Um, we were explained to us that the reasons why we're eating the foods we are. We would eat the foods in certain orders. Um, it was... It was a real eye-opener, we were stretching before training, we were stretching after training, Uh, we'd never done that before. And everything was done sort of to a time clock.
4: As soon as uh, Arsene came in, he he changed a lot in a positive way and and helped, of course, to get rid of that boring Arsenal uh, name. We had the same idea about football. We we like the the creative style of football, the attacking style of football. And off the pitch, we like the the discipline to to give everything for football. It took a little bit of time to get going, but... uh... Straight away, you could see his plan, what he wanted to do.
3: After completing the double in the 1997-98 and 2001-2002 seasons, the boss's finest style would come in 2004 when he'd lead his Invincibles to an undefeated league season. Well, this is a clip from the Invincibles documentary where Wenger tells us about how he re-motivated the team to remain undefeated after winning the title at White Hart Lane and what the achievement meant to him.
5: It was massively difficult because I felt, uh, they, when I said to them, now you have won the championship, now I want you to become immortal, they looked at me like I, I, uh, I was absolutely mad. What is he talking about, this guy? Immortal for what? And uh, uh, I tried to explain to them but they don't realise what they are doing at the moment, but one day they will uh, realise. And uh, so they said, we are not convinced but what you're talking about, but we will do it. But they just did enough, you know. They just did enough to be mediocre, uh, but they refused as well to lose. And every single game until the end was suffering because I felt that uh, the enthusiasm, the the sharpness had gone, but we just uh, did enough not to lose the games. Time will pass, the history selects always, uh, what is the most uh, difficult to achieve, and uh, time will tell. These players will become bigger and bigger, and uh, every other team at the Arsenal Football Club, at some stage, even if they achieve great things, will, compare, will be compared to them. When I am a manager and I look at the, the table of my team, I look always at the L and uh, uh, how big this number is, you know. And because every defeat is an absolute pain forever in your life. And uh, when you can see L0, that's where you can be really, really happy.
3: When Arsenal take on Bayern Munich at home on the 20th of October, Arsene Wenger will have taken charge of twice as many games as any other Arsenal manager. In total, he's taken charge of 1,076 games, winning 627, drawing 237, and losing just 212. He's won six FA Cups so far, which is a record for any manager. Three Premier League titles and six Community Shields. He's also the subject of John Cross's new book, and we'll talk to him about that next let's hear from another
2: Arsenal insider on the Arsenal weekly podcast
3: so our Arsenal insider this week is the mirror's John Cross Crossy's new book Arsene Wenger the inside story of Arsenal under Wenger is in stores now Crossy good morning mate good to be back on the show how are you
8: yeah, very good, thank you. Nice to be with you. This book
3: going well, selling well, I understand, but I have to say, mate, I'm still awaiting that free copy that you promised me you'd send me. Where is it?
8: <laughs> it must be lost in the post somewhere. No, signed copy, right. I'm sure, it will be on its way.
3: <laughs> Give you a few more days, John. Not a problem. Um, I'll tell you what, we'll start with that whole process of writing this book. How interesting and how fun was it for you as well? <sighs>
8: Well, it, it was fun actually. At times, at times it was a bit painful as well. Because I, I must say, what kind of started off as, as maybe a little bit more something of a diary of a season, um, sort of morphed into a bit more, more of an all-round picture of um, of Arsene Wenger. Um, I know actually he doesn't particularly enjoy sort of kind of straight biographies, so that's one thing I didn't particularly want to do. And so, kind of it was just more concentrating on his time at Arsenal. Um, I just think as we kind of, you know, l- clock up landmarks really and milestones of, of what he's achieved and what he's done and the amount of games he's managed and time at the club and we're about to reach another, aren't we, uh, with 20 years. And it, it's, it's just a remarkable sort of an achievement, I think, um, re- really of, of what he's done. I think you, you've got so many insights, so many former players, so many other sort of peers um, within the game, if you, if you like, and um, I just think there's a sort of fascinating story really to be told of his remarkable achievements at Arsenal, across many levels. I think really as a sort of kind of football manager, someone that's overseen a great period of change at the club, and, and at the same time has probably emerged out the other uh, out the other side with two successive back-to-back FA Cup wins.
3: Absolutely, and the Community Shields as well, John, don't forget those. Um, yeah. You talk about putting a new twist onto the book, because as you say, it's been covered, or he's been covered, in, in this sort of you know, very traditional manner on many occasions, hasn't he? So having that novelty mm. value to it for you and for all the readers must have been absolutely critical.
8: Yeah, I think so. I, I like...
9: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
8: To think that I can paint a picture of seeing him on a regular basis, um, kind of working quite closely with him, um, it's also enabled me to sort of form relationships with sort of players down the years. Um, who can hopefully give a bit of insight and a bit of humour. I think the one thing that I always like to do in any story that I write or any, you know, obviously piece that I write and now the sort of the book is offer a little bit of insight and kind of try and deliver an anecdote or two. I don't think you can beat anecdotes kind of, and try and sort of paint a picture as if you're actually there, really. Um, and some of the humour offered, you know, by some of former players, you know, Ray Parler, um, Stephen Hughes you know, of this parish, you know, I know he does quite a lot, you know, sort of the club media as well. So I think that's quite mm. good. And he, I think he's he's one of the best storytellers I've come across in football, really. They, they <laughs> offer a sort of a humour and an insight, I think, that kind of doesn't just sort of kind of paint a picture of a of a, of a man and a manager who's been extremely successful, but someone that that, that really enjoys the dressing room banter and the gags and I think you, you, you understand there that you're dealing with a man who's got a very good sense of humour. He enjoys the English game in all its kind of glory. And I'm talking about kind of the, 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 the fun and the jokes. This incredible man who's so intelligent and who's yet so clumsy. I mean, they're basically struggling with the, with the zip on the touchline doesn't tell the half of it, really. And, um, <laughs> you, you know, that's part of his charm. And, uh, and, and really, I do think he's gone through many sort of periods and I think that it's only, I think, in, in time to come, and perhaps after he's left Arsenal and left sort of the management game, if you like, and I hope that day's not too soon, um, I, I actually think that Arsenal fans and kind of people in general, and particularly the media, will look back and, and, uh, upon it and realise, actually, he's a managerial great. He'll go down in folklore, and I think he'll go down as one of the, the managerial greats of all time.
3: So, as you rightly say, John, 19 years and counting, so all of that history to wade your way through. Um, What are a couple of the favourite stories that you uncovered that you can share with us that we can obviously read in more detail in the book?
8: Well, uh, uh, one that always sort of makes me laugh, actually, is is something about some... um, There's one about Ian Wright roller-skating his way through the Marble Halls, which was quite good fun, and suddenly at the (laughs) end, if you can sort of imagine the tradition... And and the sort of the, the, the Marble Hall speaks in all its uh, all its glory really and there's Ian Wright, the sort of the other roller skating sort of across the marble <laughs> walls. It just makes me laugh to be greeted with Arsene Wenger poking <laughs> his head round the round the door at the end really, so that one got me going. But then also I think there's a bit of a bit of a gag really on, on sort of what in, in Arsene Wenger's early days when basically they they would have um some Marks and Spencer's food on the back of the bus and um, they'd serve up sandwiches and, and, and sort of puddings and, and this sort of thing, really. And then the back street, back uh, feet begrade, I should say, um, would would sit at the back and, as a bit of a laugh, um, the likes of, sort of Ray Steve um, Stephen Hughes, would sort of egg each other on and have a bet over who could eat the most puddings and there'd be a little <laughs> bit of a wager and, uh, as to who could manage the most, really. And of course, Arsene Wenger not missing a single thing because that's the sort of manager he is. Obviously, clocked their fun and games, and obviously found out that it was Ray Parlour who, who I, I think, it was five in the end, and uh, and, and sort of uh, was, was cash rich at the end because he won the bet. Um,
3: oh, brilliant!
8: Arsene Wenger ensured that it didn't happen again, really. So uh, you know, it, it's those sort of gags that really sort of make me laugh. Quite alongside. The coming out the other side. But it's those sort of gags, really, sort of anecdotes that really
3: sort of tickled my fancy. And what about, just one more on the book, what about your favourite encounter that you've had with Arsene Wenger over your sort of professional career, either through the book or, or just through your time, of course, with Mirror and, and beyond?
8: Well, I, I, I think some of his press conferences are, you know, can be quite spiky. I think they're enjoyable. I think they're testing. Um, and I, I guess he, to a degree, sees us kind of at our best and at our worst, really, because I guess you still kind of want to be speaking to him in the, in the grim times and the bad times. And, and to that end, actually, I gave him a copy of the book a couple of weeks ago and sort of kind of told him, obviously, as, as you do, to try and get him on side and make sure that he liked it. Um of course. About some of the praise there that goes with it. Was it, it my I copy you gave him? Well, probably, absolutely right. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. But um, And then I, gave, you know, I told him about you know, comments from Sven-Goran Eriksen who's a particular friend of his um, and is a living legend and kind of, you know, so much respect for him and, uh, you know, Arsene Wenger, despite all that, kind of drew back his fist and basically said, I'll reserve judgment until after I've read it. And then had a good laugh at that. Basically, shook me, warm me by the hand, and, and, and made off with his coffee. <laughs> uh, we've had a couple of laughs since, actually, so I don't think it's upsetting too much. And I think you can sort of kind of see that uh, it's been sort of, uh, you know, kind of uh, read and meant um, in in the nicest possible way. Because I do think he's a he's a kind of managerial great and a living legend that will go down with the very best, uh, really, through through English football. And it's funny, isn't it? Really. And I, I think one of the chapters is called "Adopted Englishman." Um, and I think that kind of tells its own story because I do think he's been here for so long now. I think we, we do see him as that. I think there's a chapter on kind of his his, his feistiness with other managers. Uh, there's a chapter on his kind of workings with with the press, if you like, and, and some of those were sort of the most enjoyable pieces to, to write within the book because I do think he's, he's someone that I think in the press, we, the, the press generally, not just me, have a great deal of time for and respect for.
3: Brilliant. Well, that book is in all good bookstores now and probably a few less reputable ones as well. But it, I'm sure it's a great read and a definite must for all Arsenal fans. So looking forward to reading that when I can. Um, John, let's just finish, if we can, looking ahead. Of course, Arsenal play Olympiacos this coming Tuesday and it's a must win in the Champions League now, isn't it, after that defeat in Zagreb?
8: Yes, it is. I think that it's always um, the case that I think if you're to progress due to the knockout stages, I think you have to win your home game. I think also probably um, take one away win, and I think that the Zagreb was, was was the game where Arsenal must have looked at that and thought, you know what, we can win that game, and that'll be our away win in the bag. So, so losing there was a was a real blow, um, and I do think there's no margin for error really for Arsenal because I think across at home is the game that Arsenal should be expected to win. They must win. I do actually think they'll win it. Um, obviously, they're without Giroud, who I think might have played, actually, because I think he's sort of just at home. I think he might play some more games. His ability to hold up the ball is, is good. But I think Arsenal's win at Leicester showed that there's goals from elsewhere with with, with Walcott, you know, particularly good, I think. And um, uh, Alexis Sanchez, you know, with his hat-trick, showing that he's back to form, you know, just a day after even Arsene Wenger, that maybe he's come back a little bit too soon. and That explains his sort of kind of low-key to start of the season, but I think they balance the games quite nicely, but this is a game that absolutely Arsenal cannot afford any sit ups really I think other teams, English teams, laboured um, in Europe, but it was Arsenal's defeat really, bearing in mind that they're so experienced, they're such seasoned campaigners in this competition that surprised the most, and I do think Arsenal should feel confident, I do think they'll come back quite nicely with a win, and I think that will really boost the confidence going into to the weekend of course against Manchester United as well
3: and just quickly, cross here, as we let you go, is it a psychological issue as much as anything now in, in their head that the fact that Arsenal have been struggling in recent years in particular in the group stages of this competition? Um, I don't know. I think they're always
8: quite reliable in the group stage. And I think that that shouldn't perhaps be underestimated. I think that mm. they always get through. I yeah, think it's not always top thing.
3: anymore. and I don't know, there's just maybe a slight progression. Yeah, I, 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 t-
8: I totally, totally see that. I think the, the, the problem he's got is that you sort of kind of finish this and then you go into Bayern Munich and I think it's you can see that basically Arsenal obviously now not top seeds anymore um, because of the, the the way that it's structured. I think it's very important now because you go into, you know, very hard games against Bayern Munich to win that Olympia game. And I think it I think actually Arsenal if they hadn't lost in, in Zagreb, could have actually won the group because you know, I think sometimes you mean a great uh, are sort of a, a guilty perhaps of taking their off the ball a little bit um, in the group stages themselves. I don't know how important it is now to um, finish top of the group. I, I, it was always a bit of a lottery. I think it was always preferable to do so. I think Arsenal have won the group before and they had hard draws. So I think the very fact that, that basically you go into um, a sort of a knockout stage from a group stage, which is much more sort of seeded and a bit more difficult to predict, means perhaps even if you finish second, you can still get a decent knockout game. I think that's what it's all about for Arsenal. I do think that Arsenal do have a bit more of a psychological block. on on kind of getting through the group stages. I think it was particularly disappointing last year, losing to Monaco, when I think actually the path was opening up. But I don't think we should underestimate just how good Arsenal have been um, and consistent in Europe, because I think other teams... You know, particularly Man City, for example, I think they give their, their, their right arm to be as good and consistent as Arsenal have been in the Champions League. But make no mistake about it, I do think that basically when the pressure is on Arsenal to, to deliver and get results in Europe, sometimes that's when they can come unstuck. And I do think that pressure will be really intense against Olympiacos. It's opposition they should be. I think sometimes in Europe when Arsenal have the pressure and they know they have to win, no margin for error, that's when they can slip up. So I do think it's a particularly dangerous and tricky time for Arsenal.
3: We shall wait and see. John, as ever, thank you very much indeed for coming on the weekly Arsenal podcast.
8: Thanks so much for having me.
3: Speak to you soon. And remember, of course, Dan Roebuck's going to be in the chair from 7.15 on Tuesday evening. That's for the match day show. He'll be joined by the aforementioned Stephen Hughes live on Arsenal Player and also on the Arsenal mobile app. That's all on Tuesday. But now let's look ahead to the visit of Manchester United this coming Sunday with our man Adrian Clark. Well, you can see Adrian Clark on the Arsenal player on the Matchday show every Monday for The Breakdown. He's joining me now to look forward to Manchester United's trip to the Emirates this coming Sunday. Clarke, good morning, mate. And I believe congratulations are in order. Is it your birthday? Oh.
0: It is my birthday, yeah, but more like commiserations at my age, but but I'll I'll try and embrace it. 21 again, I hope. (laughs) Absolutely. You were
3: about three when you made your Arsenal debut. Yeah, bang on. (laughs) (laughs) Talking of your Arsenal debut and your time at Arsenal, um, obviously we've been talking a lot about Arsene Wenger, Mm -hmm. the unique milestone on the Arsenal Mm -hmm. podcast this week. What are your memories of working under the great man? Well, I wish I'd
0: worked with him more, to be honest, Russ. That, that's my one regret, really, from my days at Arsenal. Um, great coach. I just remember the way that he brought in the new training regime and, and it was just amazing. And, and the players weren't sure about it at first, but but within weeks and months, the difference in, in the players' fitness and strength was just incredible. And 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 because he was such a or he is such a good footballing coach, that's why I wish I'd, I'd had more opportunities to, to work with him. It wasn't to be unfortunately, but he's had a, he's had a stellar career. Never did I think that he would still be here all these years later. It's just amazing.
3: Well, let's move ahead then to uh, Wenger's next game in the dugout. Of course, it is Manchester United and I'm afraid the Gunners have got a pretty poor recent record against them at home, haven't they? I, mean, I wonder why this is.
0: Well, we're long overdue a victory against United, that's for sure. It's been incredible. I mean, We've had a couple of draws. Uh, last season was particularly frustrating there was a smash and grab the year before where United really hurt us on the counter attack I think we've been unfortunate in a lot of home matches against Manchester United in recent years and um, on the back of that convincing performance and win at Leicester there's no reason why why the boys can't go out there and really get at Manchester United.
3: Well, let's hope so. Uh, of course, um, Arsenal did beat United at Old Trafford in the Cup last season, didn't they, Adrian? Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully, a psychological edge potentially in that department. It though. would help,
0: I think. Yeah, definitely. Louis Van Gaal, um, you know, didn't didn't beat Arsenal here at Emirates, and we won there, of course, in the FA Cup. So yeah, no, it was it was a good victory. It was tactically astute. I think they've improved a lot since then. To be perfectly honest, strengthened their squad considerably, and and this is, this will be a tough game
3: I mean, as you rightly say, United are looking much better, aren't they? Partially at the back, but also going forward at the mm. moment as well. Where do you see them potentially hurting Arsenal?
0: Well, the front four are excellent, aren't they? Obviously, the, the threat of, of Memphis and Martial in behind is something we've got to be careful of. And you've also got the craft of Rooney and Mata. I Tactically, I'm looking at this and thinking, we need to be careful of Memphis and Matter when they just tuck into those spaces between the centre-backs and the full-backs. So I think that's something they both like to do so it's vital that Arsenal's central midfielders get across and lend a hand because if they work in those little pockets of space that's where they can hurt us
3: On the flip side where hopefully can Arsenal hurt Manchester United? Well Manchester United love to play at a
0: slower pace they love to control the game and in recent away fixtures for United, they've, they've struggled when teams have got in amongst them. Uh, they don't like it. They don't like being pressed. They don't like being harassed inside their own half. So I think it's important that Arsenal do that. Southampton did it. They scored two goals. PSV upset them at, at various points. And Swansea did it as well. So that's an area that Arsenal can hurt them. Also on the counter, potentially, because United will want to dominate possession. So there will be space, I think, for Theo on the break.
3: So yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Form looking good at the moment. Um, we've talked about quite a few individual players in the broader kind of scheme there. What do you think could be a, a key individual head-to-head battle?
0: Individually, yeah. I think the engine room is always something that fascinates me in the big games. Uh, and Santi Cazorla, I thought, did really well at Leicester last week. He, his battle with Michael Carrick, If if Carrick plays... Who can dictate the tempo of this match? Who can dominate possession? I think that will be the key area. If, if is on the song, he'll make Arsenal tick. If it's Carrick that's pulling the strings, Arsenal might not see too much of the ball.
3: Mm. We shall wait and see. Adrian, in a sentence to conclude, as we like to ask you, yeah. how... Can Arsenal beat Manchester well,
0: United? Based on last season's fixture when David De Gea was absolutely inspirational, I think, and the fact that Arsenal are creating chances, it's simple this week. Arsenal can beat Manchester United if they are clinical.
3: Adrian, as always, a pleasure and enjoy the rest of your birthday, mate. What are you doing? We'll do. Don't know yet, it's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> That's full time on this week's show. My thanks to Callum Chambers, Adrian Clark, and, of course, to John Cross for their contributions today. Remember, you can tweet your questions to the podcast by using the hashtag ArsenalWeekly. Remember, if you haven't hit the subscribe button already on iTunes, do so, and then you'll never miss an episode. We'll be back on Monday, the 5th of October. Until then, it's bye for now, and come on, you gunners.
2: For listening to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. You can listen to a new episode every Monday by going to arsenal.com or the Arsenal SoundCloud page. The Arsenal Weekly
1: Podcast.